This life will require you to be steadfast, immovable, strong, and courageous. Though this world says you should get a trophy just for showing up, and there are no winners and losers, you must train to win the prize. You do the hard things. You persevere. You are becoming the man God created you to be. You exercise discipline, the discipline of manliness. Good day, gentlemen. Welcome back to the Discipline of Manliness podcast. Today, we're going to be going over the next pillar in my definition of masculinity. So far, we've been able to cover the first two, uh, as well as the overview that I gave you. And those first two that we've covered so far are how faith is the cornerstone of our masculinity. And the second one was making deep and lasting connections. So if you haven't already listened to those two episodes, I'd recommend you go back, check those out, uh, give those a listen, and get a little bit caught up on where we are so far, and then continue into this third pillar of our four of my definition of masculinity, and keep keep on listening through. Now, before I go any further in this episode, I do want to address a few things. First of all, like I said, this has been my definition of masculinity. Um, so what I'm about to get into applies to all the definitions that I've given so far, or, you know, my whole my whole vision of what masculinity is. But I want to just make sure it's abundantly clear that I am not the epitome of these pillars, and I am certainly not trying to say in any way that I am the man to look up to as as who's living all of this out perfectly. That's definitely not what I'm trying to get at. So again, I'm not the golden example. I'm I'm not the person to look at and follow. The definition of masculinity that I've derived from my reading of the Bible is what I'll just kind of refer to as like the ultimate vision of masculinity of, of what I see. And it's not just my own summed up. I'm summing up what I've read to you. So that way you can see kind of what I've picked out of scripture and what stands out to me and what a man should be. And if you're paying really close attention to what I'm talking about and what I'm saying, you'll also notice a very important facet of these pillars, and that is there is no arrival point. In my vision of masculinity and my personal vision for who I want to be as a man, there, there's no point where I can look at that vision and look at where I am as a man and go, aha, I've arrived. It's incredibly imperative, in fact, in how we define what a man is, that there isn't an arrival point. It's it's kind of like becoming Christ-like, you know. For again, if you're a believer, if you um, have decided to accept Jesus and follow Him and have Him as your Savior, our goal is to become Christ-like. Um, we can become more Christ-like than we were yesterday, but there is no point in our walk where we're going to look at ourselves and go, "Aha! I've arrived. I am now Christ-like." Not in this life. So again, just just bear in mind, my vision of masculinity is very much the same. In fact, I wrote my vision for myself with that specifically in mind, that there's never an arrival point because I always want that vision to be what guides me and kind of points me forward in life. So again, be working, always be working to become more Christ-like, make progress every day, um, work on your masculinity and your definition of manhood, becoming better as a man every day. But you'll never really arrive. Your vision should be such that you don't ever arrive at that point. And then, then what would you do? You would potentially sit back on your laurels and just be the good man that you've become, but that's not what we're striving for. We're not striving to just meet a certain standard and a point and then stop. We're, we're striving to always be getting better every day. So again, just for clarity's sake, I'm not in any way saying be like me 
or I'm the example, I'm just a man on the path, you know, trying to become better. I've, I've made some decisions over the last few months to do some work on myself. And I just want to encourage you guys to do the same. So that's just kind of my big intro uh, explanation of what I'm seeing. And one of my concerns I've had in getting into my definition of masculinity is that that could be misinterpreted. So I just want to make sure that's abundantly clear. All I want to do is talk to you guys about what I've read and what I've seen, um, what's helping me and building me up and try to use that to share along with you as you truck along that same path. Okay, having said all that, Today, we'll be diving into the third pillar of my definition of masculinity, and this one could be a sensitive topic. Uh, The third pillar that I'm going to define is a man is physically fit and lives a healthy lifestyle. And I know what some of you might be thinking. The Bible doesn't say you have to be physically fit to be a good Christian. I know, and I agree. I'm not saying you're not a good believer if you're not physically fit. And I'm also not saying you can't be a good man if you're not physically fit. I'm, I'm definitely not saying any of those things. I'm certainly not trying to say we all need to be completely ripped with six-pack abs to be good men because I definitely would not meet that standard if that were, that were it. So what I am saying is that there is value or some value in being physically fit. And a man who's seeking to be the best man he can be shouldn't completely ignore this pillar. So let's get into the meat of why I believe this and what I ultimately believe the Bible says about this concept of being fit and having a healthy lifestyle. First verse I'll go to is 1 Timothy 4.8, which says, For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And I can hear you now. See, that verse is talking about training ourselves in godliness, not physically. Well, yeah, I don't completely disagree with you, but it is saying that physical training is of some value. And while training ourselves in godliness is certainly a higher priority than training ourselves physically, because there's value both now and the life to come, as the verse says, that's why this one is my third pillar, fitness is the third, and faith is the cornerstone was the first. So again, getting things in the right priority, um, but we can still live this pillar out too, assuming we're getting everything else in order as well. I think we should ultimately look at physical fitness for what it is. It's temporal, so therefore it's not really of the highest um, uh, highest importance or the, of utmost value, um, but it is still important. There is still value in physical training. And here are three kind of main points of value that I see in physical fitness. So first of all, it shows discipline. We certainly are meant to be disciplined. It's after all, it's part of the name of my podcast, the discipline of manliness, but also God calls us to it through scripture. He calls us to be disciplined. First Corinthians nine twenty seven says, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. We see it listed as being faithful. We can see it listed as self-controlled, disciplined, steadfast, immovable, etc. There's a lot of different references you know, the Bible might use for this. But I think at the end of it all, it really comes down to being disciplined. That word discipline, or discipline in uh, 1 Corinthians 9.27 is actually from a term that literally means to hit under the eye. So what it's getting at is that we are to knock out our bodily impulses. 
were to knock out anything that ultimately pulls us away from Christ. So in the defense of physical fitness, I I would ask how would laziness at worst, or maybe even just a lack of commitment at best, be making us more like Christ? I think there is something to be said for the discipline that we apply to physical fitness and making sure that we are keeping ourselves active and healthy. You know, even when you look at a man who's physically fit, you kind of know without a word that that man shows discipline. And again, I'm not saying that a man who isn't physically fit isn't disciplined at all. But what I am saying is that the man who's physically fit exudes that discipline, even in how he looks. So it's really obvious to everybody else, even though he hasn't said a word or they may not know anything else about him. And in all fairness, one could have that uh, element in order, but really have nothing else in his life in order too. So in that case, his, his discipline in physical fitness is really of no value and he's ultimately missed the point. But if we can be pursuing all those other aspects properly in the proper order of uh, priority or importance, then why should we not pursue physical fitness just as much or, or at least to some degree be pursuing it? So ultimately it shows discipline. That's the first one. The second point I'd make in the values that, that physical fitness adds is that it adjusts our mindset. And there certainly is a mindset shift that happens when, when we pursue physical fitness or even endure physical suffering for that matter. Uh, I've personally never experienced these benefits in any other way. They've only come through physical suffering or physical fitness, um, pursuing that physical fitness. When we choose to get up early and train our strength and we choose to go to the gym after a long, hard day at work, Uh, We push through every voice in our head that's screaming to just stay in bed or go kick back on the couch. There's something much greater that we're gaining than just bigger, stronger muscles. We're ultimately gaining a new and better attitude of discipline and self-control. And it's something we didn't have before we made that decision to, to be disciplined, to go to the gym. We're proving to ourselves that we're ultimately in control of our actions, not our emotions and not our feelings. The confidence that comes from this discipline influences so many other facets of our personalities and so many other elements of our day because it proves to us that we are capable of accomplishing something that our bodies said we couldn't do. And the only way to truly understand this is to experience it. I'll try to explain it and it kind of plays out like this. Think about it. You get up early, alarms going off. Every last fiber of your being wants to just throw the phone or the alarm clock across the room to never have it go off in your face again. But even despite that, you decide to get up out of your warm and comfortable bed. You shut off your alarm, you get your bag, you go to the gym, even if it's a home gym, and you get to work. You spend your 20, 30 minutes, maybe an hour doing your workout. And when you looked at your plan, you again saw a pretty difficult workout agenda for the day thought "Mm, this looks a little hard. Maybe I can just scale it down a little bit and make this a little bit easier on myself. But really deep down, you know that you can do the workout as prescribed. So you buckle down and you just do the workout that was set for you to do. 
ultimately because you knew you could do it and you knew it, it wasn't going to cause injury. I'm not advocating you try to do a workout you're not capable of, but because you've been faithful and you've been going and doing the repetitions, you know that you can do it. So you, you do that hard workout. After that, you have to head to work, which is another place you didn't really want to be, but you ultimately go to work and then get to get to the day. A curveball is then thrown at you and your day gets totally derailed because maybe a coworker made you as mad as you could have ever been or a project ended up going down in flames or maybe the client treated you like like you didn't know a thing about what you're doing and embarrassed you in front of your, your friends or colleagues. Maybe your boss is just holding you to an impossible standard or being completely unreasonable and even unfair. So everything, and I mean everything inside of you is saying like, man, just go home. Like I, I am done with today. I'm done with people. I'm done with trying. Maybe I'm even done with this job. But deep down again, there's something in you because of the discipline you've shown that you just know you're not quite done. You know, even though everything, every part of your brain is saying you can't, you're, it's telling you that you just should shut down and, and get out of there. There's some part of you deep down in your soul that knows you can take it and that you could do that one last rep when you were at the gym, when you thought your muscles were actually at failure, but they weren't. You, you made it through that last rep and pushed through. So while you might be mad, sad, you know, frustrated, maybe depressed, whatever, whatever you're feeling, really deep down, even in that moment, that's totally separate from the gym. There's a part of you that knows you're not going to quit and you're not going to let this get the best of you. That's the benefit of the mindset shift that happens when you're disciplined to stay physically fit. Number three here in this list of values that physical fitness adds is it's being faithful with the small things. Luke 16.10 says this, One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. Now, ultimately, this, this thing, physical fitness, it is indeed a small thing. In the grand scheme of eternity, it is definitely not one of the most major things we, we need to worry about. Being fit isn't certainly going to help you one iota in getting into heaven, so it's certainly not important in that grand scheme of eternity either. And no one really is going to care about it one day when you eventually pass away. It's not like they're going to talk about how fit you were at your funeral, most likely. But the benefits of being faithful with even small things, and very small things, or like what this passage is really ultimately talking about, which is money, um, but being faithful with just those little things like money with, with fitness, if you're faithful in those, again, you're going to be faithful with something bigger too. So my first reason for why we should ultimately be physical fit and summed up for these last three points is that there is value in physical fitness via discipline, mindset shift, and being faithful in small things. That's kind of the first big point I'm making of why physical fitness matters. My second reason why we really should be physically fit is because we're ultimately called to protect and serve those around us. In Nehemiah 4.14, it says, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. It's right there in black and white. Fight for your 
brothers, sons, daughters, wives, homes. It's, it's just right there in the word of God. And as men, I do believe we ultimately have a moral obligation to protect and serve those around us. Now, I'm in no way suggesting that we, we get overly aggressive and just choose to throw down for any old reason, uh, you know, just because somebody did something we didn't like or provoked us in some way. Um, I do believe that we are called, though, to defend. Uh, we're meant to be a safeguard for our families, and there might be an occasion that arises where we need to step into a situation in, in a physical manner. And while one can do that without being overly physically fit, I'm going to suggest what I, I think is really an obvious point is that we'll be far more capable to do that if we are physically fit. Think about this on just the serving side of the equation. A friend asks you to help him move. If you're not physically fit, are you really going to be as effective in trying to help in that situation as you maybe otherwise could have been if you were in shape? I mean, think about carrying a heavy load with, you know, two, three or four guys. What happens if you do go into a, you know, a muscle failure situation or slip and can't hold the weight? Like what's that going to do to the other guys carrying that thing too? I mean, you could damage property or you could, you know, end up being an injury risk for yourself or others. I mean, that's, that's a pretty big deal. And certainly no, none of us want to um, be that to, to other friends, brothers, you know, coworkers, where, wherever we're serving or trying to help out. Now, taking this to another level, let's say on the defense side, you know, self-defense, home defense, what if someone did break in in the middle of the night? We all want to think that we'll rise to the challenge. And we kind of think to ourselves, you know, I'm, I'm good. I've, I've got this. Like I've, I've got my rifle, my pistol, my shotgun, you know, whatever, whatever defense thing you have. Uh, I've got it locked away. I'm, I'm ready to rock. I'm, I'm good to go. Well, yeah, but what if that guy ultimately gets the jump on you? I mean, what if he's hiding in a place you didn't know and now there's a struggle for the weapon? I mean, again, we all want to think we'll overcome in that moment and that our sheer will to defend and protect our homes and our families is going to help us win the day. But ultimately, though we might think there's no way you're going to let this bad guy pass you, the fact of the matter is this, and if those of you who've, you know, for those of you who've read things like Extreme Ownership or, or some of these other books by some of these you know, military guys who've been putting out, is that we don't ever rise to the challenge. We'll fall to our level of training. So I think this is, again, a really important aspect when it comes to you know, trying to be a man who can protect and defend his family. Um, we have to have a level of training to fall back on. Of course, we ultimately hope and pray that a day like that never comes. I know I certainly hope I never have to experience a, a day like that. But I would rather be training physically and preparing should that need ever arise than someday need that training and not have it. You know, ultimately there's an old, uh, I think it's an old Chinese proverb that goes like this. Better to be a warrior in the garden than a gardener in the war. And I know this ultimately is a really another kind of touchy subject, uh, this idea of defense, personal defense. And I'm sure some of you might even be asking right now, but doesn't the Bible say to turn the other cheek? Well, yeah, it, it absolutely does in Matthew 5.39 and I know again in Luke 6.29. But the real topic at hand, though, in those passages is that that is talking about personal rights, not necessarily personal protection, 
in those passages, Jesus is calling his disciples not to retaliate against insults, lawsuits, or even matters of, of theft. Uh, so again, that's, that's more the specifics of what Jesus is calling them to. He's not calling us to be sheep, like led to the slaughter. You know, we're, we're not just supposed to let someone assault or, you know, take our lives for no reason at all. There's a time and place for everything is kind of ultimately what I'm getting at is that we're, we're meant to be able to protect and defend. And there is a time and place to do that. And I'm definitely not advocating we resort to violence as a, as a first resort, but I'm not opposed to it should the need really come come available or come around where we need to protect our families and other innocent life. And the third reason now that we I think we should be physically fit is because we are to honor God with our bodies. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And I know, I know this context of this verse. It's, it's talking about sexual purity. I realize that. I also don't believe that it's too far-fetched to think that sexual immorality is the only way that we might not glorify God in our bodies. So no matter what, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. If we have accepted Christ as our Savior, we are to glorify God with the body he's given us. The passage even states, very matter-of-factly, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. So if we were bought with a price, an, an insanely high price, I might add, that something we could have never paid on our own, then our bodies aren't ours. It means we have a responsibility to take care of this body on behalf of the one who owns it. This ultimately is really getting down to stewardship. One day, I believe I will answer to God for how I steward his resources, and I believe my body is one of those resources that I'll be responsible to him for. Kind of backing this one up is 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Everything we do should be done to God's glory right down to the most basic of daily needs. I see that I should be honoring God with my diet in this passage, which is, of course, part of the big picture of being physically fit. And now, again, I'm not trying to say never have a piece of cake, never have a slice of pie, or you know, your, your wife's homemade cookies, or whatever it might be that you like to enjoy. There's a time and place. Again, kind of everything in moderation. But I do think that this is one of those areas, like the stewardship idea, if we can't be disciplined in the most basic of things, these little things, then how can we ever think we're going to be disciplined in the big things? So ultimately, I even think of it this way. If I can't be a good steward in the most humblest of things, like my eating and drinking or whatever it is I'm doing, why would I think I can ask God to give me more responsibility and more stuff to steward when I'm not being faithful with these super simple little things that are, I think, really clear how I'm supposed to go about handling this type of situation or these types of decisions. So men, ultimately what I'm saying here is whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, however you eat, however you drink, when and how you work out, do it to the glory of God. As usual, men, I, I appreciate you listening to this episode of the discipline of manliness podcast. 
again, I've had a great time sharing my thoughts and ideas with you. Uh, again, I've really appreciated the feedback that some of you have been sending me and I'm really excited to keep this going and keep, keep building up this brotherhood so that we can be encouraging each other. Please again, share with me whatever ideas, thoughts, uh, you know, encouragement, whatever that you're taking away. If you're coming up with your own definition to apply to your life, again, I'd love to hear about it. Share it with me. You can get a hold of me on Instagram at colin.hornback. Uh, you can send me a, a phone call or a text if you want to. For those of you who have my number, um, you feel free to shoot me an email. Um, definitely go on now that I'm finally published, guys, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So if you would, I would really appreciate it if you go on there and leave me a review uh, and give me a give me a rating on there. I would definitely appreciate your support. Thanks again so much, and I look forward to getting back with you next week in another episode of the Discipline of Manliness podcast. Until then, keep being disciplined.